to Refreshingly Human, a podcast from CRS Data's MLS Tax Suite. In this podcast, we're talking to real estate agents about real challenges, their successes, and the topics that keep them up at night. We're a bunch of data nerds, so we'll throw in some tech discussion for good measure. Join us as we get refreshingly human with our guests. Here we go. Hi, I'm Allie Flett. I'm joined today by Tyler Cobble. He is a commercial investor in Nashville, Tennessee. Tyler, if you don't mind, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, Allie, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm a, uh, as you said, a commercial real estate investor based in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, started off actually as a commercial broker um, and an in-house leasing agent for a boutique development firm here in town. Uh, was there for about four and a half years before I started my own brokerage. Then I started a commercial property management company about six months later. And then six months after that, started investing uh, in, in office and retail real estate. So we do mostly value-add commercial, uh, and we are getting more and more into new construction development this year. So I was looking at your Instagram, and I saw you have recently done this like huge renovation project. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about that, maybe some of the successes, some of the struggles. Yeah, absolutely. So we it's a 27,500 square foot office building in East Nashville, which is a, a rapidly growing part of town. I love it over here. It's it's just incredibly convenient. It's it's kind of the cool side of town, right? So it's got all the best food and beverage concepts, uh, which just makes it, you know, obviously very enjoyable to to live, work, and play in. So that office building is it's actually one of the largest office buildings in East Nashville. There's not a whole lot of office space on this side of town, which is why we decided to pick it up. So when I got it, I mean, it looked like it was straight out of the 80s, just hadn't been touched in a while, kind of one of those older office buildings. And uh, we fully renovated it. So we redid the interiors, uh, all new common areas, all new finishes on the office spaces. And of course, had to redo the exterior. I wanted something that uh, would just pop when you looked at it. So the, it's on the Dickerson Pike corridor and because Dickerson Pike was thriving in the mid-century, I decided to kind of go with a mid-century style and theme, which led me to Craig Elwood, who was an architect uh, in, in California in the mid-century. He was one of the largest uh, or most prolific uh, mid-century modern architects. So I ended up um, calling the building the Elwood and we ran with it. So redid the building on the exterior to be black with a couple of white stripes running down the middle. And I did basically an accent wall for the front uh, street-facing side. We did uh, what's called Corten steel. It is a steel that is designed intentionally to rust. So it has that kind of old, weathered, worn, orange look to it. But it actually gets stronger and stronger the more that it rusts. So uh, it really just pops um, out on the corridor. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a, good, a great project so far. When I, when I bought it, it was about 60%. I'm sorry, it was 40% occupied. So it had just been sitting uh, very, very empty for, for a couple of years. And uh, you know, since I own a commercial real estate brokerage and property management company, we came in, renovated the space, and I had you know my leasing team get to work on, on finding me new tenants. And I had the property management company get the building into shape in terms of the operations. So uh, you know, we've we've definitely had our struggles there. The uh the bank, um, we've had issues with getting the construction loan approval. So part of that, we've had to fund ourselves until they saw, okay, people do want to lease this office building. It's not just going to keep sitting vacant. So we had to do that. And then um, then we finally got our construction loan approved. So that was, that was probably the most frustrating part of the process, but uh, we worked through it. That's awesome. And it looks so good. Will you tell the listeners your Instagram handle if they want to go check it out? 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's at commercial in Nashville with underscores as spaces in between the two words. And uh, we, I, I highlight every single one of the projects that I do. So if you, if you want to go check out the highlights, you can actually see one that I did called 4013 Travis Drive. That was a smaller office building. I mean, literally from day one in spring of 2019 through the day that I sold it, which was uh, in October. So you can see the whole project there. Okay. So clearly 2020 has not slowed you down at all. And you have a blog and a YouTube channel. So tell me how that has kind of helped keep, keep business running. Yeah. I mean, 2020 was actually our best year ever. It, it was, it was incredibly busy, but yeah, I mean, you know, we, we 10 X our web traffic um, just from the blog, which was pretty exciting to see. I mean, I, you know, I've been, I've been writing every now and then for a couple of years, but had never taken the blog seriously. And, you know, when, when the pandemic shutdowns hit back in March and April, I had nothing else to do really. So I just started writing as much as I possibly could trying to educate people on commercial real estate, you know, how to invest, what property management looks like, how to find tenants for your space, how to lease, um, you know, all of that kind of information that, you know, people are seeking. There wasn't a whole lot of it out there. So uh, that ended up, I mean, I think we get over 22,000 organic visitors to our website a month now, which is, which is kind of crazy to think about considering we were just a boutique brokerage based in Nashville. But yeah, so that was good. And then we ended up starting a YouTube channel um, off of that. I actually use those blog posts as scripts for my YouTube videos. So it's super easy for me to just stand in front of a camera for 10 to 20 minutes, knock it out really quickly um, and get that out there. There was also not a whole lot of uh, you know commercial real estate education on the YouTube platform either. And uh, that has done very well for us. Uh, we hit over a thousand subscribers uh, in under a year. I started it in April. We hit that at like, you know, December 30th. So that was, that was pretty fast, which was really exciting to see. And, you know, both of those are bringing us a lot of business. I mean, you've got investors, you've got uh, that, you know, that are looking to place capital into deals, which, you know, we're always raising money for deals. We've got business owners that are looking uh, to lease space. We've got people who are looking to buy buildings for their own companies. So it's, it's definitely helped out quite a bit. So you kind of, answered my next question, but I was going to ask, you help a lot of investors kind of just learn the ropes. So is there anything else you do aside from your YouTube and your blog? Yeah. I mean, outside of that, you know, obviously uh, Instagram is pretty big for us. It's surprising the amount of investors I get through Instagram uh, and also just business in general. I mean, we got a six and a half million dollar listing off of Instagram. Uh, and that's because I don't, I don't shove marketing down people's throats on Instagram. It's, it's just a Hey, follow me along behind the scenes of commercial real estate in Nashville. And you get to kind of see, you know, what's going on. Why, you know, why is that building vacant? What's going to happen to it? You know, I tell people about new restaurants that are coming or bars and stuff like that. And so everybody always finds that fascinating. They, they want to know the next big restaurant, the next bar. And because I'm in commercial real estate, we typically know that before the general public does, which is really exciting. So, you know, outside of the, the blog, Instagram, YouTube, I mean, we've got a podcast as well. I do that with my partner, Bruce Peterson. It's called Commercial Conversations Over Coffee. We actually do that live on YouTube. And then I syndicate it out to podcasts. But it's just me and him. You know, we, we would always have these phone calls every, almost every other day for an hour. And we would just talk about different things in commercial real estate, different ideas that we had. And, and so I eventually was just like, man, we should just actually record this. I'm sure there were people out there that would want to listen to us having conversations like this. And uh, and so far, it's doing really well. It's had some pretty good traction. So we're, we're excited about that. But yeah, to me, it's it's all about marketing. I mean, in real estate, as a, as a broker, as an agent, you know, that's what you are. You're not a sale, you know, you're not a salesman, you're a marketing team. And I think that that's, that's how what a lot of people get wrong about it. 
I love that you saying that you know all the cool bars and restaurants. Oh <laughs> yeah. Really get me to follow you. Um, <laughs> so what are your most common questions that you get from other investors? Yeah, I would say the most common question that I get from other investors would be, how do I get started in commercial real estate? You know, it's a very niche industry. I mean, you look at Nashville, we've got over 12,000 residential real estate agents, but only probably 400 commercial real estate brokers. And out of those 400 brokers, there's probably fewer than 100 that really do anything. So it's it's kind of tough um, to get into the business just because you don't need a whole lot of hands on deck to, to get a lot of these deals done. So I would say, you know, go work for somebody for a little bit. Find somebody that you can work for for free just to learn how to how to get into the business. And once you prove your value, there will be a job there for you. I mean, that's that's how I've hired my last my last two guys, actually. I had an intern that just became a broker, and I had an intern that just became my analyst uh, for my development company. So, you know, you start off that way and you prove your value, and, and there's probably gonna be a job in your future. Okay, Tyler. So you do a lot of investing. How do you use property tax data to help you make decisions? Yeah, I actually probably use CRS at least every other day, if not every day. You know, whenever we're going into look at a new property, uh, and I need comps to determine what the what the property's worth, that's the first thing I check. Go into CRS data, you know, just because it, it it helps with the comps. Um, it also helps me determine, you know, what the building size is, uh, what the actual acreage is, because sometimes you know the data that the sellers give you is wrong. And so it's it's nice to be able to compare that to the actual tax records and to what the seller is saying to determine um, you know what makes sense. But yeah, I mean we we use it all the time for searching new properties. What would you say to people that are looking at the market and it's so hot right now? I know it is in Knoxville. I assume it's the same in Nashville, and it's just intimidating to get into right now. Would you say go for it anyway? Wait till it cools down. Oh, of course. I mean, I think the best time to buy real estate is now. I think, uh, I mean, the, well, the best time to buy real estate was 10 years ago. Uh, the second best time is now. You know, real estate is just one of those assets that you know, if you're if you're planning on getting rid of it in the next six to 12 months, I mean, yeah, you absolutely shouldn't buy real estate right now. That's that's incredibly risky. It's very speculative and it doesn't make any sense. If you're planning on holding onto a property for seven to 10 plus years, or maybe even three to five plus years, I would say absolutely, as long as you're buying right. I mean, find somebody that is you know hyper knowledgeable in the arena that you want to invest in and go invest with them because you can lean on their skills and their expertise to help you make the right decision. I mean, I think if you've never invested in commercial real estate before and you're going to jump into a very hot market, you know, it's just like if you've never invested in stocks before and you're, you know, hey, stocks are doing really well right now. Let's go invest in stocks. Well, you know, they started off the year down, right? It's like the first time that stocks have ever started off the year down. And so if you don't know what you're doing, you can definitely get burned. But I would just say, find somebody that's doing what what you want to do and, and work with them. With the rise of remote working, is regular office space dead? How have you seen that affect like commercial office buildings? Yeah, I've been getting this one a lot because that's <laughs> been a buzzword. Like office space is dead. We're only going to move to remote working. I'm never going to have to see my coworkers in person ever again. You know, it's and honestly, it's it's just not true. I think that office space will certainly shift a little bit. I mean, I have a pretty significant office portfolio here in Nashville, and I would say at least 80, maybe 90% of our tenants are still going into the office. You know, when when it first hit, everybody was kind of having their employees work from home. I mean, I had my team working from home, but then it got to a point where I think it was probably, you know, June or July, 
they started asking like, Hey, can we come back to the office? We're tired of working at home. You know, my, my team just didn't like it. It's too easy to get distracted at home. Uh, you know, you've got your dogs, your kids, your spouse, the TV, you know, it's, it's too easy to do chores. There's so many, so many reasons to go work in an office. I just like the mindset that I have when it comes to that. But also if you have a team, there's so much synergy that comes from working together that you just don't get over Zoom. You just don't get it over the phone. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for being able to walk down the hall and ask the guy, uh, you know, ask the CFO what his thoughts are on your new financial projections instead of having to call him or, you know, send him an email with the the spreadsheet and then find a time to go over it. You know, there's just a lot that you get out of that. And I think that a lot of companies have recognized that. So, you know, I do believe that there are some industries that will never go back to the office because it just doesn't make sense for them. You know, if you've got a team of software developers and they all live around the country and there's actually no reason for y'all to ever really get together, then yeah, maybe, maybe you won't have an office space, but the majority of businesses use an office space as their calling card. I mean, one, it kind of establishes that you're a professional business. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I would want to hire an attorney who's working out of his home. So I think that that's a pretty, that's a pretty big indicator um, there of, of why people should have office space. I think that office space will shift though. I mean, we're working on a project right now. We just closed on the land for it last week. Um, it's 57,000 square feet. It's going to be a six building micro unit focused project. That's kind of a post COVID deal. So it's, you know, I'd say third office space, a third retail and a third restaurants, but the majority of those suites are all under a thousand square feet. And we're willing to work on more flexible lease terms. So, you know, starting at one year. So you think about it, if you've got a team of 20 people, and you can move from a 3,000 square foot office into a thousand square foot office. And you can be kind of surrounded by all this cool, you know, these cool bars, restaurants. You're only going to have a part of the team working there every week. You know, that's kind of the new thing that they're going to be looking at because you can have half your team working from home and the other half in the office, or at least offer that option and take far less square footage. So I don't think office space is going anywhere by any means, but I do think it will shift. Yeah, that's a great point. I know even just with our company at CRS, right before the pandemic, we were like bursting at the seams and we were like, what are we going to do? Are we going to add on? And now it's like, we can have people work remote sometimes. People can share offices. It can be a much more communal space instead of like, this is my desk. This is your cube. You know, just it's very exactly. now. It's totally different. And I think that's great. Okay. So what about you and your team? What are some business goals for 2021? What are our business goals for 2021? Well, I had on there uh, that I wanted to do a you know $10 million in development. And now that's uh, like silly because I've got one project that's a $19 million development and I've got another one that it won't be you know $20 million this year, um, but we're closing on that in March and it'll end up being a 300 to $500 million development over the next 10 years. So... I think I'm going to have to go back and readjust my goals. We hit those a little, I mean, I set that back in like, I don't know, September, October, you know, when I was doing my goal setting for 2021. And I, I guess that's the power of goal setting. It came true way earlier than I thought. Uh, That's, that's why you got to write everything down boys and girls. But yeah, I guess we got to get back to the drawing board. You know, one thing that I I definitely want to do is because I don't own any multifamily. I want to buy a 200 plus unit apartment complex. I don't have my my partner owns a little over a thousand doors, um, and so you know 
the cash flow that you get from that is just absolutely incredible. And I love development. I mean, the wealth that you can build through development is unparalleled, uh, but the cash flow is not the same. Uh, it's just, it's kind of a different style. So uh, that that's probably my goal for 2021 is to increase my cash flow. Yeah. It sounds like you guys will have to readjust as 2021 happens. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. great though. That's awesome. Okay. So I guess last question, kind of to wrap things up, seeing as it's a new year, what are you expecting in 2021? So I think uh, we actually just did a video on YouTube about this, but trends outlook for 2021. I think I think it's going to be a very interesting year. You know, COVID has changed a lot. I think we're going to ha- see some some trends emerge that have been kind of on the fringe for for a little while, but I think that they're going to absolutely take off. Uh, one of those I mentioned earlier, micro units. I think micro units will be at the forefront of new commercial development. And not just in multifamily, right? I mean, in multifamily, you can have these studios that are, you know, two. I mean, we've got we've got one project that the units are, I want to say 215 square feet. I mean, they are micro apartment units. And we're we're managing that property. We're currently going through lease up, but it's going really well. But uh, also in office retail and industrial, even. I think that. You know, the because businesses are realizing like maybe we don't need all of this space. Restaurants are realizing maybe we don't need a whole dining room. We can focus more on to go and delivery and have some tables outside. And it just, you know, may, yeah, they're paying more per square foot, but overall monthly, they're paying far less. Their overhead is significantly lower, which just makes it just makes it a little more attainable for 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 the entrepreneur, for the startup. So I think micro units will be big. I think ghost kitchens are gonna be big. I mean, we've seen Postmates, Uber Eats, you know, basically food delivery has just skyrocketed during the pandemic. And I don't see that changing. I mean, I I see that actually staying around moving forward because, I mean, we had a couple of restaurant clients open here in East Nashville in the middle of the pandemic. And one of, they're both crushing it. One of them is actually beating their pre-COVID projections. They were doing so well and they're only at half capacity. So, and it's because they pivoted very quickly to doing online. And now obviously it's an incredible concept. They, I mean, the, the restaurant tours just really know what they're doing, but there are a lot of restaurants that are actually breaking sales records in Nashville. And so to me, that, that really says something about the power of to go and delivery. And so we're trying to cater to that in our new developments as much as possible. I think that last mile is going to continue to, to, to be huge because you know, you think about how much people are ordering online now. I mean, it was a, a lot before the pandemic. And then, you know, I mean, Amazon's, you know, market value has just skyrocketed because uh, everybody's buying stuff online. It's so much easier than, you know, risking it and going to Target. So, uh, you know, last mile delivery are basically the warehouses that surround the downtown urban cores where the packages, you know, it's their final destination before getting to the doorstep. So, you know, that's a, it's a rare product anyway because it's expensive to have warehouses close to downtown because they could be torn down and turned into skyscrapers. But, you know, if, if you can get your hands on one of those, obviously with good interstate connectivity, those are going to be very in demand. So I think 2021 is going to be an overall good year. I think that there's going to be some changes, but just like uh, anything, as long as you adapt and you're willing to accept the new world and not deny it, I think, uh, you know, making some adjustments in your business, you'll do just fine. I think it's going to be a great year. That's great. I love hearing that. And it's inspiring hearing how people can pivot and adapt so quickly to really make the best out of a bad situation. 
Oh, absolutely. We've seen so much of that this year. I mean, you know, real estate's real estate's a very flexible type of product anyway, right? I mean, we've got a lot of dying shopping malls. Well, those are being converted into these mixed use, you know, they're building apartments on top of them and then having, you know, these cool little retail shops. And so it becomes this whole new mixed use project where there's more life to it. We're seeing, you know, these big box retailers uh, going out of business and those are getting those are getting, you know, adapted into last mile distribution. I mean, what's better? It's 10,000 square feet with tall ceilings and it's in a great urban area. I mean, that's last mile distribution. Those, they're getting turned into churches, which is great because they've got all the parking. So, you know, as long as, as long as these real estate investors are willing to adapt uh, and pivot, do just fine. What's going to happen to movie theaters? Yeah, that's a good question. We've got one movie theater that we're actually working on. It's an old AMC. Um, and yeah, um, in Madison and they are talking about, um, my, my clients talk about converting it into indoor climate controlled storage. Cause then, I mean, if you think about that, like how much parking a movie theater needs, if you convert it to indoor climate controlled storage, you don't need hardly any parking at all. So they can either sell off all of the additional land and make a lot of money back, or they can build more retail or office or whatever on that land. So I actually really like that adaptive reuse because I can't stand parking. I think parking needs to absolutely go away. But Yeah. Haven't you seen there's like all these numbers in New York city, how much space is wasted for parking? It's, oh, it's, it's absurd. Yeah. You know how expensive it is to have those parking spaces. I mean, it is so expensive. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. Very valuable land that you yeah. can cars on top of each other. I mean, if you got rid of parking like that, you could, I mean, you could have affordable housing. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like think about all the parking garages that just waste space. Thank you so much for coming on. That was a lot of great information and just really interesting stuff to learn. So I appreciate it. Absolutely, Allie. Thank you for having me on. This has been Refreshingly Human. Please drop us a line at communications at crsdata.com. You can visit us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. If you liked today's episode, feel free to share it with a friend. We welcome guest recommendations. From all of us at CRS Data's MLS Tax Suite, thanks so much for listening.